You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. I'm so excited to be here. I just feel like God's going to move in a special way here. I just feel that. I feel like the Lord's going to use this uh, video in a special way. And I say that. Hasn't God been good in your life? Hasn't God been gracious in your life? Isn't God good? Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. God is so merciful. Uh, I don't think you're feeling it. I'm just telling you. I, I, I need you to help me. So welcome those of you who are online. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this church service. You were a part of Thorn Creek Church. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to stay engaged in the entire, entire service and open up your heart and see what God has for you. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I just uh, thank you, God. I'm overwhelmed by your unfailing love. I'm overwhelmed by your patience, your compassion that you show towards us. I thank you, God, for being with us during this time. We need you, Lord. All we have to do is turn on the news to know that we need you, God. It doesn't take much, God, for us to realize that our life has always been in your hands. So thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for being with us. Just do whatever you want. Holy Spirit, work in and through me by your grace. Holy Spirit, take a hold of my, my, my thoughts. Put your words in my mouth, God. We need an encounter with you. I pray for every soul that's at home or sitting in a car, wherever they're at and they're watching this video, I pray that you grab a hold of their soul and their heart in a surprising way. I pray that hearts are changed. I pray that hearts are changed. I pray that decisions are made during this message, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit just roams freely, God, and, and, and just uh, grips hearts as whatever your will is, God, just do it. So we humble ourselves before you, God. Jesus, we confess you are Lord, you are Savior, you are God, you're Redeemer, you are worthy of all praise. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray all this. Amen. Amen. It's good to be at church, guys. So I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to stand up for? What are you willing to stand up for? Some of you might say you, you're w- willing to stand up for your civil rights or, or human rights or, or maybe your, your political persuasions or, or maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your God. What are you willing to stand up for and what does that look like? I want to share a story with you here, and this story uh, is found in the book of Daniel, and it's a, it's a story of a time right around 606 B.C., and you find it in the Old Testament in, in the book of Daniel, and it's, it's when Nebuchadnezzar's armies invaded and defeated the Jewish kingdom of Judah. 606 BC, and, and Nebuchadnezzar takes Hebrews and takes them back to Babylon, and they're living in Babylon, they're worshiping pagan gods, and they're living there. But there's these four Hebrew men, young men, teenagers, Bible scholars think that they were in their early teens, so maybe 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, somewhere around there. These Hebrew young men stood up and they thought differently from the rest of the crowd. 
This is our last message on do not fear. And what we're talking about today has to do with fear. Daniel chapter three, beginning at verse 14, starts off like this. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Crazy story in the Bible. You see these three young men, these Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and in fact, that was their Babylonian names, their original names, whereas Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And these three young men, who most Bible scholars believe were young teenagers, they were the only ones who said, we're not gonna bow down to that gold statue. We worship the God of Abraham, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, we worship that God, and even though we're on foreign soil, we're not gonna bow down and worship your golden statue. As I looked at this story, I, I thought, what about these guys? What about these guys? What's inside them that makes them so special under the eyes of God? What's inside them that makes them different? How do they make it into this best-selling book right here? How do they make it into this and where, we, where churches for 2,000 years have been talking, even longer, have been talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What about them? 
What's inside them? What decisions have they made about the kind of men, young men, that they want to be, or they are? You know, I think about the adults, and where are the adults in this story? What about the Hebrew adults who learned the Torah and the Hebrew adults who know, you know, the, the scripture well? Where are they? How come it doesn't talk about them standing up? Why is it these students? And boy, what an incredible message for, for young people. For, if you're in your teens, you can change the world. An incredible message. Incredible influencers. You know, and everyone is worshiping Nebuchadnezzar's gold statues, but these three young men, teenagers, boy, adults never look down to teenagers. Because sometimes they can do things that you can't do, and they can be an example in ways that you can't be. I, I think the challenge for adults is we become more cautious as we get older. You know, we used to be maybe high risk takers and then we, we, we have some bumps and bruises and scars and we no longer take the chances maybe that we used to take because of those things. But when, you, when, when you're young, you just don't know any better and you're just gonna stand up. You just don't know any better. The danger of this uh, question about what makes them unique, the danger is we could minimize their courage. They stood up and said, there's no way we're gonna bow down to these golden you know, images or whatever, there's no way. The, the challenge, we, the, the thing that we can do that, that trips us up is we can look at people who have sacrificed themselves for God or have taken great leaps of faith or whatever it is, and we could minimize their sacrifice. We could say things like, well, they don't have any children, so they could afford to do that. You know what I mean? Well, they're single, so they don't have very many commitments. They don't have a business to run, so they could, they could do that. In other words, they don't have much to lose, so that's why they can do that. But you're minimizing it, you're missing it if that's, if that's what you think. I, I, I asked myself over and over, what about these guys? And you see other people in scripture who do the same thing, incidentally. This guy named Noah built a boat in his front yard. Everyone thought he was crazy. And at certain times, God says, I want you to stand up. I believe God wants us to think differently because we're, we're not even of this world. We're passing, we're passing through. And as I, as I thought about, you know, the core, what's the DNA? Why is it that these people, why are there some people that are willing to stand up and others don't? Why is it that some people are okay reading scripture, but they never act out on it? Why is it some people go to church and they never take any action? What's the determining factor here? How does someone, how does someone flip that switch? The Lord took me to some places I want to share with you. Romans chapter 12. <laughs> chapter 12. says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now think about that for a little bit. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. In verse two, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transformed with me. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're watching online, type in transformed in that chat room there. 
Then you will be able to test, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this, these two verses right here is a command for those people who want to walk with God, and the command is think different. Say think different out loud with me. Think different. Think different. Be different. In other words, the way you think is just different from the way the world thinks. The way you see things is different. In fact, Paul says, be transformed. That literally means, in the original language, keep on being transformed. That means like every day you are changing. You are becoming more and more like Christ. You are becoming more loving every day. You're becoming more compassionate every day. You have a heart for the lost and it increases every day. You are being changed, transformed every day. Those people who come to know God in a personal way, those who don't grow in their faith are really confusing people to the outsiders because they look at them and they hear, them, they hear you say, I'm a Christian or I go to church, but you're not changing and you're not transforming and people see the words that come out of your mouth, they see you, they watch you and they're thinking, where's the difference? What's happened? This, this word transformed, uh, the Greek word here in our English language is metamorphosis. It means a total change from the inside out. So it's not just something that you fake on the outside, but it's a total change from the inside out. You know, when you let God transform your heart, it's a lot easier to manage the words that come out of your mouth. When you let God transform the way you think, it's a lot easier to make the right decisions than to discern God's will for your life. It's a lot easier to do that the mind, that's the, that's the, this is the key because the, the mind is the control center of one's attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. The mind. Paul says in Ephesians, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So the Spirit of God is responsible for renewing your thoughts, changing the way you think. To put it another way, what you think about is fueled by the Spirit of God. Why did these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what made them so different? The Bible makes it clear there's two types of people, two types of people in this world. Romans chapter eight says it like this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So your mind is controlled by your sinful nature or your mind is controlled by the Spirit of God. That's it. Which one are you? Which one are you? The sinful nature that Paul is talking about is that nature that we inherited from, from Genesis early on from our spiritual grandparents, Adam and Eve. And, and, and here Paul is reminding us that you're one or the other. 
You're either controlled by your sinful nature or you're controlled by the Spirit of God. You know it just by listening to your thoughts and, 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 or hearing someone speak, and you can tell what, what's controlling them. You can tell, can tell. Galatians says it like this. It says that the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So here, again, we're told that the people who are driven by the Spirit of God think different. The sinful nature wants to do evil, but the Spirit gives us desires that are just opposite and want us to please God. When you look at the first time the Spirit of God descends on humanity, and you read this in Acts chapter 2, you see how the Spirit works. But I want you to just stop for a little bit and think about what controls your thoughts, what controls your mind. Something's controlling your thoughts. What is it? If you're not sure what's controlling your thoughts, you're probably controlled by your sinful nature. If you think of thoughts related to desires of the flesh and lust and greed and all kinds of stuff and anger, you're probably being controlled by your sinful nature. And if someone is controlled by the Spirit of God, they're different, they act different, they walk different, they look different, they smell different, everything about them is different. But you're controlled by one of these. I want you to look at the way the Spirit of God moves and what the Spirit of God values. In Acts chapter two, you read about Simon Peter's incredible message where he just preached this message, lights out, and the church grew because the Holy Spirit was working in and through them. But as you see the Holy Spirit fall onto this group of people, I want you to pay attention to what the Spirit of God values. Acts chapter two, verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Now this is describing people who are hearing the message and the Spirit of God is stirring their heart. Have you ever been in a church service where you hear a sermon and there's something inside of you that is stirred while that sermon is being preached? That's the Spirit of God working. And you wouldn't be sensitive to that. You want to respond and say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? In verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at the order. Repent. That's a change of mind. That's a change of heart. That's a desire to say, you know what? I'm no longer going to be... I'm no longer going to be this person. I'm going to turn. I used to be unfaithful, but I'm going to be faithful now. I used, to, I used to be disobedient to God, but I'm going to be obedient to God now. I used to need everything my way, but I'm going to, I want God's way now. And it's a conscious decision to say, God, I want to turn from that old life. That was my old me. I don't want to be my old me anymore. And this scripture right here tells us, repent of your sins and then be baptized. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to, baptize people starting in November. So if you haven't been baptized and you call yourself a Christian, let us know. We want to baptize someone every Saturday. That's the goal. One person every Saturday. 
love to keep it going. So let us know if you want to be baptized. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that so good? You have a God who wants you to experience the forgiveness of your sins. Does anybody need their sins forgiven? Anybody need that? You're done with guilt and shame. Don't live with guilt and shame. The devil wants you to be discouraged. God wants you to experience the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then verse 40 says this. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. You know, how'd you feel if I went another two hours on this message? Everybody stay tuned in online, preach another two hours, three hours, whatever it was. When I was, at, when I was in Brooklyn, New York, and I was visiting this church there, Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I was there with my family, and uh, I felt the Spirit of God at this church in such a beautiful way. It's Jim Cymbala's church, if you're familiar with that. And I'll never forget, you know, we were there, and I thought, gosh, I think we've been here for a while. And then he was just starting to speak, and, and I looked at my watch, and I realized we've been worshiping for like an hour, an hour and a half before the preacher even started preaching. You know, there was a day when I, I didn't enjoy that. There was a day when I grew up in the Catholic church, and, and, and I love the Catholic church, but I just wasn't walking with God during those days. And I remember I, I was always looking for an opportunity to jet. You know, I was always looking for an opportunity to, to leave that church service right after communion. That's when I did it. I knew that was the opportunity. I was closest to the door. And these people right here, are gripped by the Holy Spirit. Simon is preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this, what church from this? Crooked generation. I want you to pay attention to this because Simon Peter is calling the generation that he's in a crooked generation. Today, we're living in a crooked generation, friends. Right now, we're living in a crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Hallelujah. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to what church? And to prayer. prayer. Every Tuesday, 3 o'clock. You can come on by. You're welcome. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. You see what the Holy Spirit values here? Redemption is for everyone. Doesn't matter what you've done. God wants you to experience his grace and love and forgiveness. Doesn't matter how, what bad things, what, how things you made a mess in your life, God is able to take your mess and make it part of your story and do a miracle in your life. He just wants your heart. Don't be stubborn. Don't be prideful. Let God take over all of your life. And you see the desire of the Spirit to dwell with us. The Spirit of God wants to live inside of you. The Spirit of God wants you to know his presence every every day and night. That's the heart of the Spirit of God. Something else you see here in this passage right here is, is you see the Spirit of God lift up the Word of God. You see the Spirit of God bring unity. 
You see, the Spirit of God loved the local church. Everyone met together in one place. You see, this is all the, the heart of God, the miraculous signs and wonders, fellowship and prayer. Everything about it is, is this unity in the Spirit and, and supporting the heart of God over and over and over. I want to talk about this unity just for a little bit because this is so important right here. In our world today, there are all kinds of issues. Brianna Taylor Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, Trump, Biden, <laughs> the next Supreme Court judge, sports, COVID-related conversations, masks, no masks, in-person, online only, whatever, all kinds of stuff. This is not the first time our country has experienced disagreements. You know, you go back, and if you were around during the Vietnam War, our nation was divided during those days and still is today. Right now, there's a huge layer of fear over our country and our world, but I want you to hear this. Just as dangerous as fear is a spirit of division. Just as dangerous. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 12. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, amen, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he, he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So Jesus is making a point. He's casting out demons and they're coming up to him and saying, hey, you've got a demon inside of you. Beelzebub. Now, Jesus is saying, are you kidding? If I had a demon inside of me, it makes no logic for the demon to cast out a demon because that would be, bring division. And Jesus makes it clear, any kingdom divided against itself, any city, any house that's divided against itself will not stand. You need to hear this. Division is a dangerous spiritual condition. Jesus made it clear. A country will not stand. A house will not stand. A family will not stand. A church will not stand. It will be spiritually weak and be vulnerable to the strategies and lies of the devil. That's what happens. And Jesus makes it clear that Satan himself and his demons need unity to advance their agenda. Jesus is saying, look, Satan and his demons, they need to be united and one purpose and one thought to fulfill their mission because if they're not, then they're not a force at all. But Jesus is also saying this. He's also saying that there has to be unity as well between him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. In other places, it says that Jesus came to fulfill the will of his Father. And Jesus is saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is united 
And Jesus makes it clear that he came to do the will of the Father. He's, he's casting out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's also making it clear that Jesus is stronger than any demon. Can I hear an amen of that? Jesus is stronger than any demon. And Jesus is making this point that the vision is powerful. He talked about a divided mind. When you have a divided mind, you are spiritually weak. When you have a divided mind, you're tormented by your mind. You're going far left and far right and everything in between. You believe everything. You make up your own Ten Commandments. You decide what's right and what's wrong. You make up your own ethics. And one minute you're hearing a demon and the other minute you're hearing something else and you're not sure what God's will is and you have a divided mind. Do you know anyone who has a divided mind? They don't make any sense. The words that come out of their mouth are not consistent. They're unpredictable. Their reasoning and their logic are inconsistent and irrational. Pray for them. What you're seeing is what's inside of them. That's what you're seeing, what's inside of them. That's why scripture tells us to meditate on God's word day and night. Meditate on God's word day and night. And then the divided house that Jesus talked about, a house divided against itself will not stand. Will not stand. A house divided within the house with different values. Have you ever been in a house that has different values? He has one set of values. She has another set of values. He has another set of values. Whatever it is. They have one commitment to God and someone else has another commitment to God and, and the house has different commitments to God, different views of scripture, different views of God's word. Someone in the house believes this is God's word and you need it every day. Other people look at this book and say, it's just a good book. A house divided against itself will not stand. They will not stand storms of life. They can't. They can't. It's just a bunch of roommates living together with different theological views. That's a house divided against itself. If you live in a divided house, the first thing you need to do is surrender yourself completely to Jesus Christ and let God work in your heart and pray for your family. Pray for your family. Don't give up on praying for your family. I was the first one in my home to come to know Jesus at the age of 18. First one. And I prayed for my family, and little by little, they all came to know Jesus. Little by little. It'll happen. It'll happen. I want you to hear this. You can't control your life, but you could surrender your life. Some of you are spending too much energy trying to control your life. Just surrender your life to God. If you surrender your life to God, you'll experience the peace of God. And things will happen out of your control, and you'll be okay with that. Surrender your life to God. Jesus also talked about this divided nation. A nation divided against itself will not stand. Will not stand. Uh, General Herbert McMaster, you know that name? He's a retired United States Army Lieutenant General who served as the 26th United States National Security Advisor from 2017 to 2018. He wrote a book. Everybody wanted him to write about his experience with Trump, but he said, I'm not gonna do that. You see, he's, he's military. I, I was in the Air Force for a time in my life. Some of you have military backgrounds and you, you'll, you'll be able to connect with what I'm saying. 
Every military person knows that you never speak against the commander-in-chief, right? Every military person knows that, especially active. You don't talk about the commander-in-chief even if you didn't vote for him or her. You don't ever talk about them in a negative way. And he was the same way, and he said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write about that, but instead, this is a guy who, who went, you know, he, he mastered, he oversaw wars like Desert Storm and other ones, and, and he was asked the question, how does China and Russia look at the US? And I wanna read you his answer. He said, our divisions are the greatest threat to our national security. The world is going on while we're preoccupied with our own vitriolic partisan discourse. Wow. He said our division, the, the, the countries outside of us look at us as a divided nation. Think about social media. There's people behind social, social media whose sole purpose is to create division. That's their sole purpose. And even comments that are posted, maybe by you or friends or whatever, just bring division. And Jesus made it really clear, a house divided will not stand. A nation divided will not stand. You're vulnerable. You're spiritually vulnerable. When your mind is divided, you will not stand. When your heart is divided, all of those things. Simon Peter said, we're living, in a, we're living in a crooked generation. I want you to hear this. The way Christians think should be different from the world. But just as important is the action behind our thinking. Our faith should be visible and courageous. It's not just about thinking. It's not just about information. We, our faith should be visible and courageous. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have said, you know what, we're not gonna bow down. Or they could have bowed down with everybody else and said, inside our hearts, we're not bowing down. Please forgive us, God, for bowing down. They didn't do that. They stood up and they said, no, we're gonna take a step of faith. We're gonna stand up for what we know is right and we're not gonna bow down. It's an incredible lesson for us. Let me, just because a generation says something is right doesn't make it right. Just because a generation says this word right here is obsolete doesn't make it obsolete. Just because, see, we're citizens of heaven. And if you consider yourself a Christian, then you live according to the word of God. It doesn't matter what this generation says. Just because this generation says it's right doesn't make it right. And this world needs to see Christians that are standing up for what God's word says. This world needs to see those kinds of Christians. Let me say it this way. Just because our state says churches are not essential doesn't mean we have to act like churches are not essential. Just because of that. There is something that happened, I believe. I'm gonna tell you as a pastor something I've seen. When our state said only essential businesses can operate, and they said grocery stores, and they said all these department stores, and they said liquor stores, and they said pot shops or whatever else, but they didn't say churches, or they made it really difficult for churches to meet. I believe there, there was a message communicated to the psyche of our, of, our, of our people in our communities that said church is not essential. There was a message that was sent. 
You've got to live above above all of that if you consider yourself, if you want to be a change agent for the kingdom of God. You know, we have families that have come during this pandemic and have experienced the grace of God. People who have visited here during the days of COVID. We have people who come here during days of addiction or whatever it is, and they're experiencing the very presence and grace of God. God is moving right now, right now. I look forward to everyone who's online who lives close to come back to church. I look forward to that day. That'll be an exciting, exciting day. Our world desperately needs to see Christians that will stand up for the broken, for the injustice, for the poor, for the hungry, or all of those things. Our world needs to see Christians that will stand up. This is not the time for cowering Christians. This is not the time for backyard Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Christians who talk about their faith in their backyard. This is not the time for Christians who live behind the screen, behind their laptop and post different stuff or whatever. This world needs to see Christians who take action. Christians who say, this is wrong and it doesn't have to be convenient. I'm gonna stand up for what's right. Let me ask you this way. If you call yourself a Christian, do you look any different from that non-believer that lives in your neighborhood? Do you look any different? If you were living in communist area in North Korea or China, would you be going to church? What does your faith look like? How is it different? What sacrifice are you making right now that doesn't benefit yourself? What sacrifice are you making right now that doesn't benefit yourself or your children? Let me say that, mom and dad. See, it doesn't come down, it all comes down to who you live for. Let me just say it really simply, Christian. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I want you to know this, fear and division feed off each other. Fear and division feed off each other. That's why we're talking about this in this series, Do Not Fear. Anytime you find fear, you'll find division. And anytime you find division, you'll find a lot of fear as well. They feed off of each other. They feed off each other. God wants you to live by faith, just like all those superheroes in Hebrews chapter 11. God wants Christians in the church to be united by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Christians like that in our world today. We have needs in the church. We have volunteer positions that we need. Gosh, if you you wanna serve the Lord and you're not serving, jump in. This world doesn't need any more backyard Christians. We've got plenty of those. We've got plenty of those. Look at the rest of the story. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. 
I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I will make I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Glory to God. I can keep singing that song. There's another in the fire. It's Jesus. Isn't he? He's a faithful God. I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know God needs you. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them God needs you. No more backyard Christians. 
God needs you. This kingdom, the kingdom of God needs you. This is a time for the churches all over the world to become united in faith, united in love, and be strong and step out when God says step out. God needs courageous Christians. What an exciting time to be a Christian. What an exciting time for the church. What an exciting time. I want to encourage you to surrender completely to God. Would you let God work in your heart? Let him change you from the inside out? Would you let God change the way you think? Would you let God change your heart? Would you give all of yourself to God? Give all of yourself to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the rock stars, they said, we're not going to bow down. And did you catch what they said? Even if. God doesn't save us. We're still not going to bow down. Even if. And there was a fourth. Check this out. Most Bible scholars believe that it was the, it was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ in that furnace with those young men. And boy, let me say something, students. Live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. Let God have all of you. God, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. And if you're ready to ask Jesus into your heart, maybe you're not a Christian, but maybe you want to become a Christian right now. Would you say this prayer? Would you just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of them. I turn away from them. And I want to live for you. I choose to become a Christian right now. And put your Holy Spirit inside of me so I know the difference from right and wrong. And lead me and guide me. Others of you, maybe you consider yourself a Christian already, but maybe God is calling you to stand up when everyone else bows down. God is calling you to think different from the crowd. God is calling you to think different from this crooked generation. Maybe you need to say, God, set my heart on fire for your word. Give me a new appetite change the way I think, renew me, transform me, God, and use me any way you want, God. Right now, I'll say yes to you, Lord. I'll just say yes in advance to whatever you want me to do and be. And give me courage when I don't feel courageous. Give me courage when I feel afraid, God. I choose to live for you with all my might. May my name be listed with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.